the world famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Raw and uncut, Jiggy Jag, you know how you do it. You know what I'm saying? Keeping it all the way live. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I had no idea. <laughs> I love I didn't that. know you were a but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs> Call Jiggy right now. 267 22 Jiggy. Hey Jiggy, what's happening, man? Reminds me of that uh, David Bowie song. Jiggy Blake Guitar. Jeff. It's a great name, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm Mike Massey, and uh, you know, you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV and uh, see a few of my trick shots there. Thank you very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. We have both of them. <laughs> I hope we have both of them. <laughs> we have our hour number three kicking off. Very interesting. We've got Donald Mazzella and I'm praying to God, Dan Bergens. And uh, <laughs> good. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and just kick this off. Before we get started, I want to congratulate Dan. Um, you are now a regular contributor, my friend. To the uh, to the hill, uh, tell us a little bit about that, and then we'll get into the first topic here. Um, it, it was just it just surprised the hell out of me. I mean, I I sent them uh, just kind of fluke because I know how difficult it is to get published in an op-ed piece uh, on somebody the the caliber of the hill. And I sent them a piece in February, and they and they took it. And then I sent one in uh, March, and they took that. And I sent one in April, and they took that. And, they came to me on last Friday in an email, the executive editor, and said, "You know, we kind of like what you do. Would you be consider? Would you consider becoming a regular contributor? And we'll pay you." I said, "Hello." <laughs> <laughs> sure. I, I can congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So what I'll be doing? I'll be doing. I'll be doing commentary of my choice uh, every other week to start with. And um, they may come to me and ask me to write some commentary on something that they want to build a robust position around and um they'll look for opportunities to cross-pollinate it on the various areas of the hill.com so um in fact we're going to talk about what i'd like to start about was is something that didn't go to the hill.com because um, it might be a little too controversial for them but i think it's it's conservative enough for our show <laughs> and then i want to yes. talk about one that's, that's, that's going to be published probably next week on um on Medicare, so um, I'd like to talk about the, the first one, um, if that's all right with you two guys. Yes, go, go, go ahead, my friend. Jump in there. Um, as you know, that I have a 40-year a, a background in investments, and that's 40-year background in analytics, uh, analyzing situations. Now, I think Don has said to me on a number of occasions, I do my research, and it's uh, sometimes it's compelling. So let me tell you about this piece. Um, the United Nations Committee out of the Security Council, there's a committee on international terrorism and security. Last year, in the fall, they issued an interim report that said there are currently 80 nations who are sending people, or people from 80 nations, are going to the Middle East to fight against the United States and the coalition. Now, 
the president uh, supposedly was going to have a coalition of 60 nations. And if you do a Google search and try and figure out what they're, who the 60 are and what they're contributing, it gets a little foggy. But last week, the same UN Council issued a new report and said it's now 100 nations have citizens going to the Middle East to fight with ISIL and al-Qaeda, which means that the terrorists have been a, done a better job of organizing a coalition than the President of the United States has done in organizing a coalition by almost double. And if you look at the relative contribution by many of the organizations in the coalition, you're going to find it is more than double. So I began to look at that. I said, wait a minute, what the hell is going on here? Um, so let me give you some statistics. Um, the FBI has indicated that there are, they are believe that there are thousands upon thousands of American young people who are being uh, recruited for ISIL and Al-Qaeda in the United States, either to stay here or to go overseas and fight. Now, um, in the first five months of, of calendar year 2015, where we have active duty troops in Afghanistan, a grand total of three soldiers have been killed. American soldiers have been killed since the beginning of... Now, one of the other departments of the government, the um, Attorney General, Treasury, they reported that at the end of May, January to the end of May, the city of Chicago had 990 shootings. So it seemed to me that maybe the al-Qaeda operatives were doing a better job killing Americans in America than they were are killing them in Afghanistan. That's a scary thought, that we have in one, one American city 990 citizens that were shot, 360 of them were killed, that after the, the Baltimore riots, there have been more people killed that have been killed almost on a year-to-date basis in Baltimore. And what we have is a situation that is a reflection, because if you listen to the protesters in Baltimore, they were different in their rhetoric than the people in Ferguson. Well, there were some people talking about the, uh, the, the, the death of Mr. Gray, and we still don't know how he died or if, in fact, any of the officers were responsible. That hasn't been decided. But what I am saying is that we have a situation where the rhetoric has changed. And the rhetoric, is, I believe, is because we have a black mayor, a black, predominantly black city council, a black police chief of police, and a black prosecutor. They could not play the race card. What's happening is that in the hundred nations that are seeing their citizens leave, and, and the thousands upon thousands of American young people who are being recruited, are being recruited from the inner city poor because there is no hope anymore. I think that the, the black American youth have really run the gauntlet of saying, you know, I don't, I, I'm not anybody's slave anymore. Uh, I don't want the government to continue to pay me. What I, what I would really like to do, and I heard this time and time again, I'd like to have a job. There's a certain amount of, of, of honor and dignity in having a job. 
but the unemployment rate of young people in the in the in the inner city is is huge. It's almost fifty percent. When you couple that to the other places in the world where poverty abounds and there's political chaos, the message from ISIS to those young people: Come and join us. We'll give you a goal. We'll give you hope. We'll give you an opportunity to make a statement, to do something, and we'll pay you. And as a result, they are kind of like the um, the Pied Piper. Uh, the message that they have is a better message than we have uh, in the Middle East, or, or, or no message. And so what's happening, we're converting people in the United States either to go to the Middle East and fight, or begin to fight in the, middle, uh, in the United States. Um, another article today in the paper about um, Muslims out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, attacking uh, churches. And so what's happening here is that I think that the, the, the continuation of tremendous unemployment in the black community, uh, a, a compounding effect of lack of personal dignity, hope, and growth, is now coming home to roost big time. And our young people, especially inner-city young people, are extremely vulnerable to the rhetoric and to the mystery and the, and the, and the romance that the ISIL and the, and the imams and everybody else are trying to get them to convert them to, to Islamic terrorism. And I think it's a very, very serious problem. And when we're, and we have in one, in a, in a five-month period, 990 American citizens are shot 99% of the time by other American citizens of the same color. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a terrible thing that's happening in our country, and it's tearing it apart. And we, we don't talk enough about the problem of what's happening in, in leadership in the communities, how dependent they have become upon the government. And, and that train has left the station, I think, in many of the communities, the people want jobs. They want to have a sense of dignity, a sense of pride. And as long as we're going to continue to do that, of, of providing stuff or trying to provide stuff to buy them off, we're going to have unrest in the United States. Only this time, the unrest is being captured by our enemies who are converting our American young people to the terrorist side. Well, I, you know... Uh, you raised some interesting issues, uh, uh, Dan. Um, I, I'd like to frame my thoughts um, uh, by saying, A, uh, I hope you're wrong. You may, and you may be right. Um, you can lay the blame squarely on our educational system. Uh, we have not educated these blacks. Uh, we have not educated the inner city. I sense both of you, but Dan, yours bounced for some reason. A very interesting uh, speech by uh, a principal in Denver. Yep, yep. Uh, uh, it was a fantastic piece. Uh, he was he was on the stage with uh, some some other uh, people. I, I'm going to reach for the article now, uh, only to point out. Um, let's see, um, well, I'll find it, but, uh, but the main point I want to make is, uh, we have had for the last almost 10 years relatively no growth in, uh, positions open 
uh, entry-level positions for the uh, four, uh, I hate to use the term lower caste, but the disadvantaged uh, class. And as a result, uh, it's become a, almost a self-fulfilling pro um, uh, prophecy. Uh, we had in the, uh, 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 in the 60s and 70s, we had the welfare state. We managed somehow or other to uh, uh, eliminate a lot of the uh, most outrageous parts of it uh, in, the, in the following two decades, mainly by uh, expanding the growth of the, the hiring opportunities. We had a robust uh, economy. We, we absorbed these, uh, these new uh, um, uh, people. We, we found ways of training them. We spent billions of dollars training them, both public and private. And as a result, uh, we, we broke most of that cycle. Then we went back into a period of decline then, then we went along and we, uh, what did we do? We uh, took most of those jobs away. We sent them overseas or we uh, automated them. The Internet has made almost uh, most uh, media-level jobs, uh, data entry, everything else, um, they're gone. And now we have a situation where we don't have jobs for those uh, kids who are marginally trained, uh, as, and as a result, um, we're, we're sitting here in a, an economy which hasn't basically grown in seven years, and right. we have no opportunities for them. Uh, we've expanded our, our, um, uh, our population, but not our job openings. And what have we right. also done? Your favorite topic is we've uh, laid a, uh, we've let a lot of people in there who are willing to take those marginal jobs at a, at a lower rate, um, and as a result, uh, we now have festering problems. Uh, what is it? Forty-seven percent of all uh, bl uh, black youth uh, under the age of twenty-five don't have jobs. Right. I mean, it's almost over fifty percent now. Over 50% now. Yes. And you're right. Yeah. Almost 50%. 50%. And, and, and so what you have is these these young people sitting around. They, they're not doing anything. They're getting involved in gangs. They're getting involved in drugs and, and, and the sale of drugs. And they are not product, productive members of their family or necessarily productive members of our society. And what concerns me is now we have we have an incredible situation where about half the people in the United States are responsible for supporting the other half of the people in the United States. And I, I, I'm concerned that if it goes much more than that, we're going to find ourselves in a situation where um, we, we can't sustain our economy and we can't sustain what we're doing. And as a result, uh, we're going to see uh, further unrest because um, the government cannot... Uh, cannot continue to tax uh, the, the smaller and smaller decreasing piece of the puzzle. But I, I do want to ask you, Don, and I, I, I got a sense from hearing Jim that he also heard the or saw that speech. Tell us about the speech. What did the man say? Well, it was really fantastic. It was really fantastic. He said it on TV, and uh, everybody 
Uh, I'm, I'm looking for the piece, and I'm sorry. Um, Was he black? Uh, I'm not fine. Uh, here it is. Um, uh, basically, he, he took over as, as um, principal of a school, uh, of a high school. And then he uh, let me just give me one minute to find this, because it was a wonderful piece. And he laid out what it was going to be like, um, uh, what it was going to be like, uh, the school was going to be like. And he said, we're, uh, uh, just give me a minute to find this. Well, let's, let's do this. We need to take a break. Uh, we will come back, and uh, we will chat uh, with Donald Mazzella, Dan Perkins. We'll cover, the, we'll cover the Colorado speech, and then we'll uh, cover our next topic coming up here on the big program. Let's play. Let's play. to make big money in small apartments. Get your free book and CD at freeapartmentsbook.com. That's freeapartmentsbook.com. This is the Jiggy Jaguar Radio Show. We are back here on the big broadcast. We've got Donald Mazzella with us today, also best-selling author Dan Perkins, and I can also say contributor to the Hill.com's Dan Perkins, which sounds awesome. And uh, <laughs> both of them are on the uh, telephone. Now, Don was, was talking to us before the break about this speech that, uh, that was given out in Colorado. G- give us more details on this, Don. Okay, well, it was, it was sent to me by, uh, by, by someone that said uh, this principal, uh, Dennis Prager of Colorado, that's his name, along with Sarah Palin and Tom Bralco were on TV. I can't tell you where. And then uh, this uh, young man, who um, uh, I, I uh, assume he's relatively young, certainly compared to me, he said, to the students and faculty of our high school, I am your new principal, and I would be so. There's no greater calling than to teach young people. I would like you to uh, prize you with some important changes that are coming to, to our school. I am making these changes because I am convinced but most of the ideas that have dominated public education in America have worked against you, against your teachers, and against our country. First, this school will no longer honor race or ethnicity. I would not care less if you are racial makeup is black, brown, red, yellow, or white. I could not care less if your origins are African, Latin American, Asian, or European. Uh, this, the only identity I care about, the only one this school will recognize, is your individual identity, your character, your scholarship, your humanity, and only the national identity this school will care about is American. This is an American public school, and American public schools were created to make better Americans. If you wish to affirm an ethnic, racial, or religious identity through school, you will have to go elsewhere. We will end all ethnicity, race, and non-American nationally-based celebrations. They undermine the model of America, one of its three central values, e pluribus unum, from many one. And this school will be guided by American values. This includes all after-school clubs. I, I 
Uh, this includes race, language, religion, sexual orientation, or whatever else may become in vogue in, this, in a society divided by political correctness. Your clubs will be based on interests and passions, not blood, ethnic, racial, or other physically defined ties. Those clubs just cultivate narcissism, an unhealthy preoccupation with the self, while the purpose of education is to get you to think beyond yourself. So we will have clubs that transport you to the wonders and glories of art, music, astronomy, languages, you do, you, languages you do not already speak, carpentry, and more. If the only extracurricular activities you can imagine being interested in are those based on ethnic, racial, or sexual identity, that means that means that little outside of yourself really interests you. Second, I am uninterested in whether your English is your na native language. My only interest in terms of language is that you leave this school speaking and writing English as fluently as possible. The English language has united America's citizens for over 200 years and it will unite us at this school. It's one of those indispensable reasons this country of immigrants has always come to be one country. And if you leave these, this school without excellent English language skills, I would be remiss in my duty to ensure that you'll be pre prepared to successfully compete in the American job market. We will learn other languages here. It is deplorable. Most Americans only speak English. But if you want classes taught in your native language rather than English, this is not your school. Um, may I go on? Because this is a really fantastic piece. Yeah, go ahead, Don. Keep talking. Yeah. Third, because I regard learning as a sacred endeavor, everything in this school will reflect learning's elevated status. This means, among other things, that you and your teachers will dress accordingly. Many people in our society dress more formally for Hollywood events than for church or school. These people have their priorities backwards. Therefore, there will be a formal dress school at the school. Fourth, no obscene language will be tolerated anywhere on the school's property, whether in class, in the hallways, or at athletic events. If you, want to, if you can't speak without using the F word, you can't speak. By obscene language, I mean the words banned by the federal communication, plus epithets such as, I can't say the, the next one, even when used by a, one black student to address another black, or another one I can't use, but it rhymes with which, even when addressed by a girl to a girlfriend. It is my intent that by the time you leave this school, you will be among the few your age to instinctively d distinguish between the elevated and the degraded, the holy and the obscene. Fifth, we will end all self-esteem programs in this school. Self-esteem will be attained in only one way, the way people attained it until it decided otherwise a, gener a generation ago, by earning it. One immediate consequence is that there will be one valedictorian, not eight. Sixth and last. <laughs> I like that I am, one. I like that one a lot. Um, well, you're going to like this. Two, sixth and last, I am reorienting the school 
towards politics and away from politics and propaganda. No more time will be devoted to scaring you about smoking and caffeine or terrifying you about sexual harassment or global warming. No, no more semester will be devoted to condom wearing and teaching that to regard sexual relations as only or primarily a health issue. There will be no more attempts to convince, convince you that you are a victim because you are not white or not male or not heterosexual or not Christian. We will have failed if any of your, you graduate this school and does not consider him or herself inordinately fortunate to be, li- to be alive and to be an American. Man, well, this is the one I love best. Now, please stand and join me in the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of our country. As many of you do not know the words, your teachers will hand them out to you. <laughs> I, I just thought it was a fantastic piece, uh, you know, and uh, I hope uh, I hope you'll post it on your website. Oh, definitely, uh, definitely. Uh, I will. You know, this, uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, the, the the other comment was this guy should be running for president. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can I can believe um, that, but what what I, what I like about what he's what he's saying is is that he's really, he has really captured the, what I would call the negative essence of the American public school system today. And, and I think part of that not only deals with our elementary and secondary, but I think there's a great deal of, of what he's talking about in our colleges and universities. That, oh, absolutely. Um, and and that, that we forget that it is, the freedoms that other people have died for that has given us the ability to live here and, and have the opportunity to prosper if we want to work hard. But I, I think we have become so divided, so subdivided in so many sections and, and sex and, and um, uh, ethnicity, it, it, it just seems to me that we forgot we are Americans first. And Americans, and this is when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, when I was in when I was in um, in Texas, where we have the Spanish-speaking radio stations and television stations and newspapers, we've got a Spanish airline guide in the, in the American Airlines. Uh, English is the language of this country. I realize it's not the official language of this country, but it is the language of this country, and and we uh, we we are not teaching, in my opinion, the children in school our history. And it's like it's irrelevant. It's more important to talk about sexual sexual orientation and, and everything else as opposed to understanding where it is we as a nation came from, who brought us there, and what are our responsibilities going forward. So I'd be happy to put it on. I mean, I, I wish there were more principals who had the courage to challenge the union to, to say what's going on. And uh, I'm, 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 I think it's wonderful that he did it. And again, I, I, I would agree with you. He probably should be running for president, but he probably won't. But uh, yeah, he'll probably be out of a job. He'll probably be out of a job tomorrow because somebody will probably protest. But uh, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic piece, and, and I, I think he's. I agree with you, Dan. I think he so encapsulated everything that's uh, uh, that's wrong and right with this country. By the way, and, you know right. that he tore right. this unum. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, we came to this country and we learned the language. And mm -hmm. if we, if we uh, and if we didn't learn it, we made sure our children learned it. And and this is just um, it, uh, anyway. It, you know, sometimes it's better just to shut up and let let uh, let something else speak for itself. And I think this stuff. No, you know, I agree. Absolutely, I agree. Well, uh, uh, do we have time for we, one more quick subject? We need there, to take sir? we need to take one more break. Then we'll come back and wrap it up, and uh, we'll do one more quick segment with you guys. We've got more coming up with Donald Mazzella and Dan Perkins of TheHill.com. We've got more coming up here in our big program. Millie and Cupcake. That's right. Cowcow.com slash Millie and Cupcake. Also, check out CafePress.com slash Millie and Cupcake, the number one. Also, Millie and Cupcake is available on Amazon. You can purchase the book through our link at JiggyJaguar.com. Millie and Cupcake available in paperback. Also available for Kindle. It's the story of a girl and her wonderful pet. For many children, the experience of bonding with and loving a first pet is an unforgettable time in their lives. Millie and Cupcake is the charming and educational story of a girl and her companion animal. A different animal than many kids think of when choosing a pet. Check out Millie and Cupcake on Amazon right now. Millie and Cupcake also is available on the web at cowcow.com slash Millie and Cupcake. Also cafepress.com slash Millie and Cupcake number one. Tell them you heard about it here on the world famous Jiggy Jaguar show. Jiggy Jaguar. Neil Bortz with us today. He's got if they put Fox News on, liberals will complain. Uh -huh. If they put CNN on, conservatives are going to complain. Jiggy Jaguar. We've got Tom Donahue with us today. I started to organize, uh, and no, not like Obama. Jiggy Jaguar. Publisher of Talkers Magazine, Michael Harrison. And uh, it's a lot of fun, and, and it's very informative, and uh, it, it does a lot of things. One, it, it's www.jiggyjaguar.com. Let me tell you about search engine optimization that is performance-based. It is SEOgame.com. Visit them online and see the difference. SEO Game puts in over 30 hours of work to start keyword phrase search engine optimization services without a setup fee. Cool? Yeah, it's very cool. If you don't like your results, you can opt out at any time before 30 days without paying a dime. At the end of 30 days, your first payment is due and you get billed monthly thereafter. Five keyword plans begin at $200 a week. 30 keyword plans begin at $500. If you want your business to grow, you need to get SEO game performance based. SEO. Go to the website right now, seogame.com. That's seogame.com. Fantastic new marketing partner with us today on Transmedia Worldwide, an amazing, amazing piece of business. We provide modeling and acting services and would like to get the self ourselves out there and maybe get some great opportunities. 
Hopefully this does something for me. Feeling bummed pretty lately right now. But check out Baby Girl's incredible, incredible iStudio page at iStudio.com slash 35744. That's iStudio.com slash 35744. We're going to spell it for you. The letter I, the letter S, T-U-D-I-O dot C-O-M slash the number three, the number five, the number seven, the number four, and the number four. And tell them you heard about it here. Transmedia Worldwide. Out Loud Minute. The Out Loud Minute. Surveillance drones, spyware hidden in your laptop, email intrusion, and now your cell phone may be targeted by a Cessna 172. This is Malcolm Out Loud. Well, the U.S. Justice Department oversees a program that indiscriminately accesses large amounts of cell phone data, including identifying information and your general location by using Cessna airplanes high in the sky. Well, the American Civil Liberties Union says it's inexcusable and it's likely to the extent judges are authorizing that they have no idea of the scale of it. Well, the U.S. government spying on American citizens has been a hot topic as of late. Some Americans are comfortable with the concept. Others are outraged. Sure, some would say if it helps them get the bad guys. Well, the bigger problem is no one knows what the government's doing with the information. Furthermore, integrity, confidence, and trust are no longer in the government handbook or dictionary. (laughs) And you can get the rest of the Out Loud Truth back at MalcolmOutloud.tv. Get your home organized, 40% off, and free installation. Closets by design. The number two internet radio program according to TalkStreamLive.com. This is the Jiggy Jaguar Radio Show. We are back here on the big broadcast, coast to coast, border to border, 47 minutes after the hour. Donald Mazzella with us today and Dan Perkins. Now, um, we've got one final segment here, gentlemen, for this week. What do we want to cover in this uh in this next segment, I want to talk about what's going. I want to talk about what's going on in healthcare. Okay. Um, right now, uh, I'm 70 years old. Don's a you know bazillion years older than me. Um, <laughs> we're, both, <laughs> we're both covered by Medicare, and Medicare, while it's a federal program, it's administered on a on a state basis. So what's going on is that <clears throat> there's the situation happening right now, which I think is it, it, it's insane. Um, many times, many times we uh, we have pharmaceutical companies that deal with catastrophic illnesses, and they treat the symptoms they can't cure. So there, there's not a lot of curing going on. For example, right now. If you contract uh, HIV, um, and there are about 1.2 million people in the United States that have HIV, uh, according to the Center for Disease Control, the cost of treatment over the life expectancy is about $600,000 with no cure. And that $600,000 is money that's, that can be paid for out of, out of Medicare. Now we have uh, two companies, um, Gilead Health Science and... Uh, ABV, uh, a spinoff from Abbott Laboratories, both who have created drugs to treat hepatitis C, that they can treat people in approximately 12 weeks who have hepatitis C infections and cure them, not treat them, cure them at the rate of 95 to 90%. So they can take a person who has HIV or has hepatitis C and they through their medication, they can cure them in, in 12 weeks with a treatment. Now, that's 
now based on a discounted basis about fifty thousand dollars and what's happening uh recently in the state of wisconsin for example they said well it costs too much money but what we're going to do is we're going to wait till you get really sick and we're only going to treat the real sick people we're going to let them spend continue to spend money all the time until they get sick to the point that then they can take put the put the person on the on the two drugs that other others to come and cure them and it seems to me that 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 we're, as Don said, as we and I talked about it, uh, the death panels are, 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 are deciding. We know we have a drug. We know that the forty dollars to $50,000 cost of the drug creates a situation where you can eliminate the treatment and a possible um, uh, liver transplant, which is about $300,000. Eliminate all that by a drug treatment for about 12 weeks for a ton of $50,000. So it's much cheaper in the long run. The problem that I, I have concern about is that I believe that the drug companies are going to come up with a cure for either cancer or heart disease or something, which is going to change dramatically the death rates of the United States. And and I'm, I say in, in this piece, <clears throat> let's say that, that, that uh, Merck comes up with a cure for breast cancer for women. But in order to recoup their costs and, 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 and to make a reasonable profit, the treatment's going to cost $250,000. Well, Medicare doesn't have, if they, Medicare doesn't have the money to pay a $50,000 treatment, they sure as hell aren't going to have the money to pay a $250,000 cure, even though you have radical mastectomy and all these different treatments that could simply postpone but not necessarily always cure the illness. My concern is that, that we have a, a health care system it's not current enough to understand that medical technology is beginning to cure people, not just treat them, cure them. And what's going to happen as we bring out new medicines that will be, in fact, cures, uh, we're going to increase our life expectancy. But the cost of these medications are going to add dramatically to the cost of Medicare near term, save Medicare huge amounts of money longer term. But the politicians say no. And now you've got bureaucrats in the states who are not doctors who are making decisions about who's going to get the cure first. And I think there's something fundamentally wrong in the medical system, in the, in the government system, when bureaucrats are deciding who's going to get cures, not treatment, cures. I couldn't agree more, and there's another extension of that that we've talked about, which is that now... Uh, uh, they're, they're starting to look at uh, your lifestyle. Is, is, is your lifestyle congruent and, uh, and healthy? And uh, does that affect your insu health insurance through Obamacare? And as Dan pointed out to me, which uh, I had not heard about until the, uh, he told me, the IRS now is seeking medical records to see if you're leading a, a healthy style. Well, it, that was buried in in the yeah, uh, it, original. Yeah. It was buried yeah, in the right. original Obamacare uh, Act uh, that that it would have that the IRS would have the right to look at medical records, and now they're starting to exercise that right. And uh, by yeah, the way, yeah, the, the idea that the, that the, the the Internal Revenue Service, the tax authority, is going to go to the, to your doctor and want a copy of your medical records to see whether or not you've lived a reasonable lifestyle before they'd approve the claim for the payment of treatment for you. 
there's something fundamentally wrong there, Jim. The idea that the government, the taxing authority, uh, is going to make the decision as to whether or not we're going to get a treatment. And the fact that they want my medical records to decide, and again, we're going to have bureaucrats who are going to be making the decision about what kind of care that I'm going to get. There's something fundamentally wrong here. Now, uh, now, now, gentlemen. And by the way, can I just, yo, can I just add one point? Uh, no, jump in there, uh, Don. Sure. Uh, uh, about 40 million Americans come October 1st. They're going to discover that their average uh, uh, premium yep. for, uh, for for their health care will be about 12.3 percent increase, and that since Obamacare, the average health care plan has increased 20, 20 if uh, uh, depending on which study you look at, 21.5% or 20, uh, 25.6% since Obamacare uh, started. So you, you not only are you paying more, but you're getting, in effect, less uh, through this uh, wonderful uh, Obamacare. But you're in addition, you your your premiums are going up, but the the, the out of pocket expenses are actually has gone up. Yes. Oh yeah. They're, they're the many average people, many people many people who are paying the premiums never collect because the out of pocket expenses are such that they have to pay on their own. They never get a chance to get into to get real insurance coverage. And, and well, uh, you're right. People. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say you're right. The average. Uh, 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 out of pocket was uh, $2,600 before Obamacare. It's now $4,700. Right. Jim, you wanted to add something there? Well, I, I was getting ready to actually bring up what Don said about about and the, the date coming up this, this fall. So, yeah, Don, Don, mm-hmm. Don, you're correct, my friend. People are going to be waking up to uh, uh, some interesting numbers. You know, and, 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 and what when you think about what Don just said about the, the percentage that increases, you know, when you when you have those kind of increases, um, the percentage is a huge number, but as you as you increase the base, so you 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 take a thousand dollars and you take it up twenty five percent, it's now twelve fifty. You take the twelve fifty and you increase it by twenty five percent. All of a sudden, the amount of money that's going to be spent for health care insurance is going to be astronomical all part of the strategy, I believe, of trying to get rid of the the whole insurance industry and go to a single payer, meaning the federal government. And I... I well, you just, could... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, that's, go right ahead. No, I, uh, well, you, you see already, Humana has put itself up for sale. I mean, you're going to see a consolidation in the industry, but I think the most telling was the notice that the insurance companies told... Uh, Congress and their state uh, commissioners that they they have no idea how to predict 2016 uh, medical usage, the usage on their premiums. So that's why they're going to a higher one, because mm-hmm. they simply do not know. Everything has been thrown. All the actuarial tables <clears throat> have been uh, thrown for a cock hat by everything that's going on here, uh, and we have almost a perfect storm f- forming. Because the pharmaceutical companies, and more importantly, the entrepreneurs that, that are really discovering all of these drugs, uh, because uh, 
uh, are all suddenly starting to blossom with, with new treatments and in more effective ways of treating uh, illnesses. And as a result, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the, the medical landscape, as I heard at the at uh, uh, at a, I'm hearing wind someplace. Um, uh, at, at, at a conference, at a medical conference, I heard uh, on Sunday said that uh, by 2000, 2020 there will be such a change in the way we handle uh, many of the major yep. illnesses, cancer, yep. etc., um, that uh, the whole world will be turned upside down. Well, something, because, uh, something, and I don't mean to, I don't mean to interrupt your point there, Don, but you, you hit on, you guys hit on something earlier, and I was just sitting here thinking about it. When you mentioned when you guys mentioned the thing about the somebody coming up with a cure for cancer, coming up with something like the cure for breast cancer, right. something like that. Well, there's already um, what what is it? I was I wished I would remember what the heck that was, but there's already a company, I believe in. Uh, Europe that created like a cure for HIV or something like that, and they're charging some outrageous amount of money. And it's like if they're doing that over there, <laughs> what do you think the American pharmaceutical industry is going to do? Um, <laughs> I, I think that the American pharmaceutical industry is probably, from a pricing standpoint, based on my years of, of looking at the companies to buy them. Uh, yeah. Much fairer pricing than the European companies. The European, European, if they if they get an edge, they just they just gouge. Because remember that in the European communities, it's all socialized medicine, and the government's paying for it, so they don't really care what they're charging because the government's going to pay for it. Here you have, oh, you have some okay, element, okay, some oh, element oh. of private pay versus with the government. You know, they, but it's, it's everybody everybody complains about the pharma industry, but they are much fairer than any place, uh, exactly what Dan was about to say. I mean, it, it's true. The farmers, they're maligned, but I think they do a magnificent job. Just this, I know we got to run, but just give me one second to close this off. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. One of the two companies we talked about was Gilead Health Science. Now, <clears throat> there are <clears throat> there are approximately 120 nations in the world who are classified as lesser developed nations. Gilead has signed an agreement with eight pharmaceutical companies, manufacturers in India, to manufacture their hepatitis C drug, and they're giving it free to all the people who have hepatitis C in those 120 nations. They don't have to do that, but they're giving it to them for free. And there are other examples in all kinds of American pharmaceutical companies that are giving away their drugs <clears throat> to lesser developed nations to try and improve the quality of life. And I know we got to go, but um, <laughs> well, that's all I got to say, sir. Uh, I, I, you guys, you guys have done another bang up job today. Um, IQ Al Rizzoli is going to be with us tomorrow here in our broadcast. He's going to be chatting with uh, W. C. Reed, who is the uh, who is the author of uh, several great books, and then I believe next week Dan will be speaking with uh, IQ, and then the following week Don will speak with IQ. And um, okay. I'm looking. Tomorrow, I, uh, 
week from tomorrow. Week from tomorrow, right. yes, indeed. Well, uh, congratulations, Dan, once again on the Hill uh, contributor right. piece. And uh, Don, uh, you you are the man, and you've got to play catch up now to what Dan's done. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. You've 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 got to play catch up now because since Dan's on the hill, thehill.com, you've got to come up with something, Mazella. <laughs> I, I, I try right now. My website is under attack by the Arabs, and uh, I just got, uh, I've been working with uh, various government agencies trying to protect my white website. So uh, wow, right now, Small Business Digest. Uh, smallbusinessdigestmag.com is, is not on the uh, on there because we are under heavy attack and uh, we've been that way for a week and uh, uh, it's a very interesting they, uh, when we get it working they, they put up uh, uh, Arab propaganda so I'm very aware of some of the things that Dan has been saying so wow. uh, uh, but but uh, Right now, if you want us, it's a hashtag 2SB Digest. Uh, Small Business Digest Mag will be on, on, on the air sometime soon. And uh, uh, I have to tell you, uh, the audience has surged since I started on this program. So I thank you, and I ask you to be patient with my uh, website so we can get it back up. Well, definitely. Well, gentlemen, we will talk to you guys next week. Have yourself a, a good week. We'll talk soon. Thank you, sir. Take care. Thanks, gentlemen. It is the world-famous Cheeky Cheekwire radio program. 